You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And you can open your Bibles over to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. I guess there's nowhere for me to put this up here. So, most of you know that we take the first full week uh, of each new year, and we as a church uh, take that as a week to spend time in prayer and fasting. And obviously that whole, the way that you participate in that, the schedule that you would use for that, it's all up to you. We just encourage you to take some time during this week uh, to spend extra time with the Lord. It's a time of consecration for us. It's a time of refreshing for us. It's a time of renewed vision and and that kind of thing. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about fasting. And uh, the Lord in Isaiah 58 gives us some instructions about what is what constitutes a, a fast that is pleasing to God. Okay, and so a little bit of history on this. In Israel, they had feasts throughout the year, high holy days throughout the year. Uh, those, were, those were Sabbath days. When you come across the term Sabbath, and actually this confuses people in the Gospels too, but when you, when you come across this idea of Sabbath, uh, it was a day set aside as holy unto the Lord. Not all of those were on Saturday for Israel. They weren't all just that last day of the week. Okay, that was always a Sabbath. But many of these uh, high holy days were also considered a Sabbath. It was a time where you didn't work and you set this time aside to the Lord and just, you know, to lift him up. And um, so as we look at Isaiah 58, of course, uh, at this time, Israel is in a place of captivity, be- actually because they neglected Sabbaths and uh, for many years. And so anyway, they're in a place of captivity. And so Lord, the Lord's coming back to them and speaking to them about this, about what, how they are fasting, what their attitude is in fasting, and what he's looking for in a place of fasting. So for many of you, uh, you know, these days there are, uh, people are, the the scientists are catching up with the scripture again on this issue and discovering that there are a lot of health benefits to having um, fasting as uh, an intermittent part of your life. And of course, now there are, you know, diets around fasting and all these things. And there are health benefits, and I'm not going to talk about any of them this morning. There are health benefits to fasting, but the reason I address that is because for a lot of people, when they think about fasting, that's what they think about. They think about weight loss, they think about detoxification, they think about all those things are fine, but what God's going to address here is the heart in fasting. So we're going to go through a pretty good portion of this chapter. Uh, hopefully we have time for that. And I just encourage you, I don't have any slides for you this morning. I just encourage you to make some notes and write some of these things down. It's really important that you realize from the very start that one thing we are not doing in fasting is uh, trying to, in some way, make up for our sin. This is not a punishment. This is not something that we do uh, in order to... um, earn or merit the blessing or favor of God in any way. 
It is certainly not something that we do to try and get forgiveness for sin. Jesus Christ did all of that at the cross. Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ is the only sacrifice that there is for our sin. We accept that and receive that. Now, during a time of fasting, you very well may, may just like you might during a time of worship in the presence of God, you might come to a place of repentance and an awareness of a sin issue in your life that you need to deal with and, and refresh yourself and receive, your, receive again uh, the forgiveness that Jesus has already provided. That very well might happen during fasting, but it is not a sacrifice. Jesus is our sacrifice. Everybody got that? Okay, that's, that's really important, and we're going to see this addressed uh, a, a number of times here. So I'm going to begin uh, at the beginning in verse 1 here. I'm going to read to you from some different translations, and, and I'm just going to start here with the New, New Living Translation, probably bounce back and forth a little bit between this and the Amplified. So here, Isaiah 58, verse 1 says, Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Okay? really happy way to start the chapter. You know, God's coming to the prophet and he's saying, I want you to make this publicly clear to where nobody can miss this. I want you to tell them of their sins. Now, God never does that. Even under the old covenant, he didn't do that to bring condemnation. God is not a condemning God. He does it to bring freedom and restoration. But he is going to talk to them. He is going to bring correction in this chapter. And we should love correction. That's like, Actually, I can't remember what it was that uh, Annie just said, but but she brought that one uh, statement out to us. Uh, oh, about you know, yeah. If you're if you're busy, then really you're probably just lazy. And I mean, we love stuff like that. It's it's you know, it's challenging, it's correcting, and we want to be on the right track. There's no condemnation with it. There's no uh, you know. So anyway, the Lord does that. He brings us. Uh, instruction and correction at times. And we should love it because it's all for our good. He always has our, our best in mind. So he, he says here, Isaiah, tell them about their sin. And then in verse two, he says this, he says, yet they, Israel, they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They seem delighted, notice that, to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near them. So he's addressing two things here. He's addressing hypocrisy and he's addressing legalism. And you're going to see this throughout this chapter. He's addressing hypocrisy. They're taking an outward action that doesn't match up at all with what's in their hearts. Okay, God loves it when what's in our hearts is expressed outwardly. All right. He doesn't want us to play spiritual games. He doesn't want us to play, I should say, religious games. He doesn't want us to try to, uh, you know, put on, put on some kind of act in front of him with our fasting or with our worship or our time of the Bible or anything else. We, we should never be uh, living that way. Jesus talked about this when he talked about fasting. And, and uh, you can find this several places in the gospel. He said to his disciples, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast, he said, you know, per perfume your head, wash your face, put on decent clothes, 
do it in such a way, basically what he said is do it in such a way that your fasting will not even be noticed by other people. Okay, so he's really trying to guard our hearts about we're not doing this to appear super spiritual. We're not doing this to appear religious or appear to be anything that we're not. That is, that is not a part of our motivation. And, and in Jesus' case, I mean, basically it was like, uh, do this in this way so it won't even be noticed by people and, and do it so that in, in the context of drawing nearer to God, that's the point, that's the real heart point of fasting is to be putting yourself in a position. Our fasting doesn't change God. It changes us and makes us more receptive, more open. Sometimes we do. We get cleaned up. All kinds of things go on. We'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes. But it doesn't make you more acceptable to God. Again, the blood of Jesus did all that. But it often does make us more open to God. It, it allows us to receive. So we never want to take any kind of action in any area of our walk with God where we're trying to get something from him through our efforts or, or through a sacrifice that we make. Okay, And again, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more thoroughly in a few minutes. So verse 3, all right, Isaiah 58, 3, it says, again, this is the New Living Translation. He says, we have fasted before you, they say. So this is Israel talking to him. We've fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? I love that. Why aren't you impressed, God? Look what we did. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. We've, we've, this has been tough, God, and, and you don't even notice it. And God comes back and he says, I'll tell you why. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Notice that terminology. I'll tell you what it means in a second. To please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. So here's what was going on here. First of all, this idea they were fasting to please themselves. In other words, sometimes we do religious things to make us feel good about us. We already addressed trying to make other people think we're better than we are. Okay, we don't want to do that. But sometimes we're just wanting to make us feel good about us. Not connect more fully with God. You hear what I'm saying? But it's just, hey, you know, it, it's kind of like recycling, you know. It's, 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 I mean, recycling's a fine thing. It's a good thing. But when our hearts use it as virtue signaling, there's something kind of off in that. And we don't want to use fasting that way either. We don't want it to be something where we're project, trying to project to God even. That, oh, hey, look what I've done. Why, you, you, should, you should be pretty impressed with the fact that, you know, I'm hungry, God, this should impress you. And, and so there's that aspect to this idea of fasting to please yourselves, but also within the Hebrew language, there, and some of your translations bring this out, there's the idea that these guys, they were going to fast, but they were going to make their workers work on this high holy day, not allow them to take a Sabbath or a fast day. And so it was like, look, I'm going to fast to get something from God, to show myself to God, to impress God. I'm going to do this, but I need, I want you guys, you guys are not going to do that. You guys, my workers, are going to work through this day and not get to spend time with God and, and get closer to God. I'm going to enforce this in your lives. And the reason I'm going to enforce it is so that I don't lose any money and I don't lose any business while I'm over here pretending to fast. That's what's going on in this verse. And, and so there's this whole idea, 
I'm not, I'm going to do all this and I'm going to put on this show, but I'm not really going to sacrifice anything. I'm going to be sure that as I do this, I don't lose any money. I don't lose any time. I don't miss my favorite TV show. I'm, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray, but I'm going to do it in such a way that I, I'm not going to miss the baseball game. I'm not going to miss, you know, whatever it might be. I'm not going to miss anything for you, God, but you should be impressed. That's what's going on here. Not pleasing to God. This is, this is not the attitude that, that he really wants us to have, obviously. And the real motive here was to get God to do something specific for them, to get God's blessing. And so they did this fast, and their heart was, you know, it wasn't to examine themselves. It wasn't to come to repentance. It wasn't to hear God more clearly. It wasn't any of those things. It was, okay, I'm going to put on this show and God, you should see it, and you should you should look. And when and when that when they didn't get the immediate response from God that they were looking for, God, you should bless me in this way because I made the sacrifice. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody with me? When they didn't see that immediately, they threw a little temper tantrum, and that's what was going on. God, it sounds like three year olds. I mean, it really does, and we can all relate to this, okay? God, you should have done this because I did that. That's legalism, guys. That's legalism. Legalism will actually appeal to sin in your heart. I don't have time to go to the book of Romans and talk about this today, but it will actually stir up and appeal. Law the, the unrenewed heart and mind will immediately come up with against law. It will always come up with, what can I get away with? It will actually, and the Bible makes this very clear, it will actually uh, give, give life, in a sense, to sin with this. We don't want to do anything legalistically, which is any time we're trying to earn something from God. Okay, So fasting, like worship, is done as a response to God not to get a response from God. And again, I'm going to try and detail that out a little bit more pretty soon. But it's a response to God. It's, it's I am a child of God. I want to know God more. He has made a way for me. So, so I'm not trying to get a response from him. I am doing something that will uh, open me up to be able to hear what he is saying. It will open me up to be able to be more sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying and doing. And then I'm going to respond to what he's saying and doing. I'm not looking for him in this because I know that in Jesus Christ, I'm already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I know that in this covenant that I have with him, with Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. I'm coming from that place to say, God, I want to know you better. Does this make sense to you? I'm, I just, man, I want to know you better. And sometimes my flesh gets in the way of that and it spends too much time thinking about ice cream. And so I'm going to put all that aside and I'm going to spend this time with you. Okay, so, so that's the, the fast that we are looking for. And again, it's very similar um, God is already, we're not trying to get him to move. He's already moved toward us in Christ. All right, so we're just putting ourselves in a position and doing things that need to be done in us uh, to receive, to get rid of anything that would hinder that relationship 
and uh, to put ourselves in a position to just hear what God is saying, to know his heart better. All right, verse 4, Isaiah 58, 4. You still with me? Okay. So then he says, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere for me. So again, with me, so again, God is looking for, you know, we, we talk about this in different areas, but God's looking for an outward evidence of a spiritual reality. If we're people that are saying, Lord, I'm coming before you. I'm giving you this extra time. I'm setting aside eating, Lord. I'm just giving you this time to spend with you. Well, if that's true, there should be some evidence of it in our heart. And, and so maybe strife and offense get set aside, okay, while we're doing this. And, and he says, you know, if you're sincere about this, why is there all this quarreling and fighting? You know, if, is, is this what I'm looking for? If we're soaking in the presence of God, which is one of the primary reasons for fasting, if we're soaking in his presence, strife and fighting and anger and uh, offense, those things tend to get washed out by the presence of God. Makes sense, doesn't it? And so he says this to him, and then we go on to verse 5. These next, next couple of verses are really rich. Isaiah 58, 5. He asks this question of Israel. He says, is a fast such as this what I have chosen? Or in other words, what I have in mind. Is, is the fasting that you guys have been doing, is this what I have chosen? And notice, uh, some of your translations do this differently, but this is, this is in the language. It says, only a day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul. I switched to the Amplified, by the way. Sorry. Only a day for a man to humble himself with sorrow in his soul. Is it only to bow down his head like a reed and to make sackcloth and ashes as a bed, pretending to have a repentant heart? Do you call this a fast and a day pleasing to the Lord? So he, he first of all says, is this my chosen fast? And then, he, and then he says, is it only a time for you to humble yourself and to put on sackcloth and ashes and for repentance? It's not that those things aren't sometimes a part of our fasting, but is that all it's about? Is that all it's about? And again, he brings out this pretending uh to have a repentant heart. So again, he's calling them out on hypocrisy in their hearts. Why are you really doing this? And again, when he asks us questions like that, he asks them for our benefit, not his. He knows what's going on in our hearts. You see Jesus do this all the time. He asks questions to draw out of people uh, what's really going on so that we'll be aware. Yeah, why, why am I doing this? Lord, I, I really want to do this for the right reasons. Okay, so let me just give you a little list of reasons for fasting. What are the right reasons? And this is just a short list. There are many other things we could put into this. I think I have five or six here. And one of the first ones, it is repentance. A lot of times we do. And again, I compare this to worship personally. When we get into a real time of worship and we're in the presence of God and we sense his presence, so many times we're led to repentance. But repentance isn't feeling bad about yourself. It may be a part of it, may be feeling bad about sin, but then it's turning to God in that, reappropriating the, the blood of Christ and receiving his forgiveness again and, and being empowered by grace to turn around and live differently. Repentance is really about thinking differently and living differently. And so many times when we spend time with God, we do come to a place of repentance, and that's good. But repentance is a gift to draw us into a place of freedom 
It's, it's not just about, okay, I'm gonna, God, I'm going to impress you with how bad I feel about myself. That's really completely missing the point of what repentance is. So that, so that is one thing, one reason for fasting. It, there may be times of repentance. Uh, we like to use this terminology. Number two, it can be a date with God. Okay, we take special time. Just think about what you did or do on a date. You, say, you set aside special time. You eat special food, which doesn't apply in this case. Uh, you, you get together with somebody that you care about. You set aside other things so that you can get to know them better, so that you can express your love to them and have their love expressed to you. That's what a date is. Okay, and, and so fasting many times takes on that aspect is it is time I'm setting aside, Lord, because I love you and I want to spend this time with you. And I love you. I, I absolutely, I love cheeseburgers. I love them. And the longer I don't eat, the more I love them. Okay. But I'm here to say, I love you more than cheeseburgers. And so I'm going to spend this time with you. You know, I love ice cream. Annie got me thinking about it this morning. It's her fault. I love ice cream. We don't keep it in the house either. Same reason, too undisciplined. And, but, but Lord, I love you more than that. And I want to spend this time with you. So, it's, so in that sense, it is sort of a sacrifice that you're making, but you're not doing the sacrifice to put it in his face. You're doing the sacrifice because you know you need to in order to connect with him. Okay, so a date with God. That's reason number two. Uh, third reason, to discipline the flesh. This is a really valuable part of uh, fasting. When we decide to set aside particularly something life-giving, okay? We set aside food and, you know, our bodies respond to that. If you will, and this is something I think, this is why I think we need to build times of fasting into our lives throughout the year is because when we do that, that discipline that you exercise over your flesh in that area will invade other areas. It will, you'll find, and it may not feel like it when you're doing it, but you will find afterwards, it's easier to say no to anger or to, to sin or to something else. It's, it's easier to say no to that after you've said no to food. There's a real disciplinary element to it. And that's why sometimes we recommend this for people. They're just struggling with an area in their flesh. And, and we'll say, you know, over the next year, take some time, take a couple times a month, take whatever, I don't know. I mean, I like the Holy Spirit to tell them, you know, but take a couple times a month and build fasting into your life because that discipline will go into other areas as will undisciplined. When you're undisciplined in your eating, you'll find you're undisciplined in other areas. Okay. Um, so to discipline the flesh. Number four, consecration of heart and life. Okay, so, so this is, we are demonstrating our sincerity and determination and consecration to God. But that's, it's, it's just a little bit of a fine line. We, we're not doing that to get something from him. We are doing it, again, a lot of it's for us. But we are demonstrating by this to the Lord, to the demons of hell, and to ourselves, we're serious about this thing. We are serious about getting to know God better. And there are some times in your life when you're believing God for something or you know, you've been 
uh, standing in faith for something where it's important to spend time in fasting and in prayer just as a just as an act of your determination for breakthrough. All right. But again, it's not earning. It's just a, I don't know how else to say it. It's a it's a it's a demonstration of what's good because here's the key that sincerity and that determination needs to really be in your heart when you do this. That way it's genuine. It's not hypocrisy. Okay. Uh, number, how many is this? Five? To quiet the body and mind in order to hear God more clearly. Quiet the body and mind. And, and listen, here's something I'll tell you. At least this is my experience with this. A lot of times I never get there during the fast. My body screams at me the whole time. Says I'm really hungry and I want a cheeseburger. And and I just go through it and I just do what I set my heart to do and I do it. But what I do find is that after the fast, I've I have earlier on I would quit in the middle because I convinced myself nothing's going on. I'm just getting hungry. Nothing's going on here. I'm not getting anything. I'm not, you know, I'm not hearing God in the middle of this. And then I discover that afterwards. For weeks, I'd be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I would get loads of stuff from God. And it finally dawned on my brilliant brain that, you know what? This is related to the fasting. Even So now I ignore that voice. Because that voice is probably going to come to you and say, you might as well quit. Nothing's going on here. All you're doing is starving yourself. Don't quit at that point. Do set a goal before you go in. Decide how long you're going to fast, what you're going to do, what you're going to fast, how long you're going to do it. Set that goal and finish it. Just set the goal and finish it. Okay, and, I, and I'm telling you, you will see results from this afterwards. And then the final one that I have here is to soak in the word and the presence uh, and prayer. And so one thing that's really important about that is when you're fasting, you are there's something that goes on physically and spiritually that you do become more open to spiritual things during a fast. So we strongly encourage you to the best of your ability, control your environment during a fast. Try to do it at times where you will be able, even if it's even if you're taking, you might just do a meal each day this week, or you might do one day where you have, you know, time where you can really separate yourself to it, or you, you know, people... Some people, uh, a lot of times what I've done, depending on schedules and things, is I'll just eat one small meal per day for some time. But I, I will eat some. But those hours, whatever hours I'm giving to God, I try to make sure I can actually give them to God. And sometimes it has worked in the past to to take my lunch time for that, skip lunch, and spend that time with God, which means I'm either in the Word, I'm in prayer, I'm listening to worship music, I'm listening to uh, teaching, you know, I'm somehow soaking in the presence of God. I am not, and I would be careful to avoid spending time fasting and then go watch some gross worldly movie. You are more open to spiritual things and you don't want to put bad input into your heart when you're more open to spiritual things. So try to control that environment and and make it a, a situation where you're spending extra time with the Lord during this time, okay? And, and I personally, that soaking aspect is probably the primary thing in my life 
that I love to do during this. And it bears fruit for a long time. You know, and again, I'll soak, I'll listen to, oh, and here's another thing. If you're taking a day or two or something like that, I mean, I know not everybody can do this, but I'm just saying, if you're taking a day or two or three or whatever and you're fasting and you're, you know, I encourage you, put on, listen to the word of God. Just let it play on your, from your phone or, you know, however you do that these days. Uh, let it play, listen to it. Probably there's a, there are going to be a whole bunch of things going on in your body. You're probably going to get really tired and you're probably at times going to fall asleep. Don't kick yourself in the head over that. Your body needs the rest. If you have the word playing, it will still get in there. We talk ourselves out of fasting in more ways than I'm giving you for reasons for fasting. We talk ourselves out of it. Now, oh, no, I've got I've to be just like this. I, I had years ago, there was a pastor that uh, did a, a lot of fasting in his life that gave us a lot of instruction that I found really valuable. And, and a lot of times in those days, I'd take this first week, I'd go away, I'd go to a motel, I'd spend that time doing this. And there were times when I just, I, you just, I couldn't stay awake. And I finally realized, it's okay. Just leave the word on. And when you wake up, your spirit will have been hearing it this whole time. When you wake up, then go into prayer, go into worship or whatever you want to do. And I found that it really increased the level of what I got to not be so darned rigid and legalistic about it. Again, I controlled my environment. I didn't let bad stuff in, but I, I just became more flexible with it. So I don't know. I hope that helps somebody. So um, Isaiah 58, verse 6 from the Amplified Bible, it says, rather, and he's going to start giving us his reasons, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Get this. This is so good. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every enslaving yoke. All right? So loose the bands of wickedness. All right? That term wickedness means wickedness. It means unrighteousness. It means injustice. It, that term in the Hebrew embodies the character traits that are the polar opposite to God's character traits. So what he's saying there is, Within, within my time of fasting, I'm going to believe him to break me free from sin and incorrect appetites and desires and, and areas in my character that are not in line with God's character. He's saying, this is what I've chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness. I am going to expect that there will probably be times where I will suddenly recognize sin that I didn't realize was in my life, and I will repent of that sin. I'll realize something has had me in bondage, and I will deal with that in prayer in the middle of that. God wants to loose the bands of wickedness. It says, undo the bands of the yoke. You know that the yoke was what they put oxen or, or horses in. Uh, they put oxen in this yoke. It's a harness. It attaches them to something that they're pulling. It's a picture in the scripture of enslavement. So God's saying, I want you to break free from whatever enslaves and controls you. This is, this is something we can pray and believe for in the midst of fasting, to become free, to find a breakthrough for something that enslaves or controls us. Fasting helps us find breakthrough from all kinds of bondages, and that happens through a deeper connection with God. Um, 
Yeah, Isaiah uh, chapter 10, verse 27. Let me just read this to you. This is the last part of the verse. It says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. Uh, the, I think the King James there reads that they, or we quote it this way, that the anointing breaks the yoke. That term fatness, it speaks of oil or grease. It speaks, it's the same term that's used of the anointing oil that's an emblem of the Holy Spirit coming upon flesh throughout the Old Testament. It is, so the idea here is that the increase, the fatness of, of you spending this time with God, the increase of his flu, uh, influence in your life, it actually gets, your neck gets so big that it breaks the yoke of bondage. It destroys, is this making sense to you? Destroys the yoke of bondage. That's what Isaiah 10, 27 is talking about. That this thing that has controlled you, this thing that you've been enslaved to, you increase in God so much that it just doesn't fit your life anymore. This is what God is saying in this verse, saying these are things that I look for. I look for in in a time of fasting. It says to let the oppressed go free and that you break every enslaving yoke. I love this. This is another one of those places in the scripture where it says, you are going to go free. Yoke's going to be broken off your life. You're going to find breakthrough. These things are going to happen. Loose the, the bands of oppression. All this is going to happen on your life. And then you are going to carry something out of that time of fasting to break yokes in other people's lives. This is just another one of those, like when we studied Isaiah 61 a couple of weeks ago, Jesus is going to have this effect on my life. And when this effect is a reality in my life, I'm going to carry something out and have a renewed sensitivity to him, a renewed influence, a renewed power in my life to pray for other people, to help other people get free. Does that make sense to you? What a powerful, powerful verse. And so verse seven says, is it not, God asking a question, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked that you cover him and that you hide not yourself from the needs of your own flesh and blood? So there's this attitude in it that as we fast, God's going to put on our heart to, to minister to other people. And, and here's the real, I think the real key in this is while you're fasting, this is what hit me the other day with this. When I fast, I have to choose to fast. I have to choose. My refrigerator's full of food, and yours probably is too. And so I have to make a decision to fast. Not everybody gets that, okay? Not everybody has that decision to make. Some just don't have food, okay? And, and so I have to choose to lay this aside other people around me don't even get that choice because they don't have any food. And that recognition of the blessing and the grace and the favor of God during a fast can produce in me a fresh gratitude and appreciation. It can produce in me a fresh generosity. Okay, so as I'm thanking God for all of his provision in my life, as I'm setting it aside for a little while, but I know at the end of this, I get to go back and go to the refrigerator and eat. Okay, in the midst of that, 
many times there's something fresh that comes up. There's a gratitude and gratitude will always produce generosity. And it's, that makes sense to you. So there is this outward aspect of it, okay? And, and we can uh, give ourselves over to that as, as we realize that. All right, verses 8 through 11. Let's just read through this quickly. We're just about out of time. Verses 8 through 11. He just starts to speak these things over us. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. I like that. Your godliness will lead you forward. I think during times of fasting, we can get really redirected on the path. We can, we can get fresh, uh, fresh priorities. We can, we can be reestablished in something that we kind of left behind that God has said to us. Any, anything like that. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. To me, that's a picture of renewed faith. And realizing, you know what? God has my back. He is my rear guard. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. Glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. And he will quickly reply. Again, new, renewed sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. So again, you can just, we've already talked about this. It's just a place of, you know, uh, things changing on the inside of us and recognition of some of our attitudes. Verse 10, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. So again, you're seeing increased influence from the church with this. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually. He will give you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You will be, get this verse, you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Okay, a well-watered garden means I'm being watered by the Lord. I'm flourishing. I'm receiving from him what I want. A fresh flowing spring is what is pouring out of my life. This verse caught uh, my attention specifically because, verses 11 and 12, because there was a prophecy over this church years ago that this, this place, and as we were looking at this property, would be a fountain of the Spirit. And, and that meant that it was a place where people could come to drink of the Holy Spirit and a place where the Holy Spirit's life and power would flow out you know, to water uh, our communities and, and our lives and other people's lives. And we've always kept, we pray this very frequently over this church. It would be a fountain of the Spirit. And I, I think that, you know, this is talking about our individual lives, but as we do this together, uh, this becomes something that we experience together, becoming this place of a well-watered garden. God, I'm, I'm flourishing in what you're pouring into my life. And then also, uh, these things are pouring out of my life. And it goes on. We'll just finish with this verse. Um, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you'll be known as the rebuilder of walls and the restorer of homes. Again, that's what Jesus wants to do in this, in our town and in our families and in our sphere of influence. This is what Jesus wants to do. But it says that as all this goes on in us, you will become, okay? You will become. You're the carriers 
of the Spirit of God. We are all, we are the city set on a hill. We are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And they said, you are the light of the world. Okay, so there's always this aspect of when things become real, spiritual realities that are real in us, there's always an outward flow of that. And this just reaffirms, this chapter just reaffirms that. Now, I had a bunch of practical instructions for you. I already gave you some of them. I don't have time to go through them today. There are a number of these little guides. We've handed them out. Many of you have seen them in the past. We've handed them out for years. Uh, They're out there on the table as you go out the door. There are a number of these little guides. And this is just practical stuff. Some of it we already talked about today. It's just practical stuff on fasting and kind of how to prepare for that and plan for that and that kind of deal. So if you need information on that, I encourage you to pick this up. Uh, as as you go out today. So we are going to, uh, we're going to pray. We're going to release you. Uh, we have a bunch of goodies out there, as always. I just think it's funny. I don't know. I always think it's funny that the first thing we do is send you out with a bunch of sugar when we're encouraging you to pray fast. So, so if you've already started, then you're going to have to avoid that. But otherwise, you can enjoy that. And then, Hopefully sometime during this week, as you're led by the Lord, or many times during this week, uh, you'll spend some time in this. Let's stand up and pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you that you have, I, I guess I want to say it this way. I pray, Father God, that fasting, like all of the other disciplines and good healthy things that you have given us in our our lives, whether it is consistent time in your word or uh, consistent time in your presence or prayer, Father God, we want those to be disciplines in our lives without ever becoming legalistic, without ever becoming burdensome. We recognize, Lord, that everything you ask us to do, you your grace is there for us and you ask us to do these things for our benefit. And I just pray, Father, over this church body that as we go into this this week, I just pray, Father, that every life would be saturated more fully with your spirit this week. I pray, Father God, that as people have this time, they set it aside to you. Lord, I, I have absolute confidence you'll invade that time and spend that time with them and that everyone will be refreshed and restored reinvigorated, Father, that there will be new, brand new, or restored priorities in life. Father, that, God, we will come out of this week stronger than we went in and healthier in you than we went in. And I thank you for that. And I just thank you in advance, Lord, for next Sunday night as we gather out of that week to worship you and to say thank you. And in a time of consecration for this new year, I thank you, Father God, that there will be tremendous fruit from that. So we thank you for it, Lord, as we go out this week. Father, we go out as the church of Jesus Christ. We go out in your life and your grace and your authority to carry your heart and release it into our community. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. You can be dismissed. If anybody needs personal prayer, we'll be up here to pray for you. All right, one. Two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. 
We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.